Acceptance significant security. Psychologists tell us that three of the strongest felt needs, emotional, psychological needs, are these three. Acceptance, significance, security. We all want to feel accepted. And I think everybody knows at some point in life what it feels like to experience rejection. Hi, Alex McFarland here with my dear friend Odell Cleveland. And this is the I Hear Ya podcast. And we're going to talk about acceptance and we're going to talk about the flip side of that rejection. And Odell, it's good to see you. Good to be with you, my friend. Okay. It's nice to be here. And uh, you've got a, a situation that, that really gives a specific context to talk about acceptance, uh, a story about an elevator. And, and I want to uh, segue and, and talk about that a little bit. And uh, first of all, I want to thank everybody for listening. And I want to thank uh, uh, the Alderman Company for giving us the opportunity to record and do this podcast. But um, talk about this. Uh, a, an elevator situation. You you frame this question in a very wonderful way, I do believe. So let's uh, hear the way you phrase this question, and let's begin our conversation talking about acceptance. Uh, thank you. You know, I'll just imagine you are being flown into from the East Coast to the West Coast to be a keynote speaker. So you get on the elevator, you get dressed, you get on the elevator and put on your best suit and you go down. Now imagine 6'3", 250-pound black man, good-looking black man, just for the, for, for, for the record, just for the record. Right on, man. And then you, you're the keynote speaker. You feel real good about who you are and the elevator door opens and there's a lot of white people getting there. They're coming to the event. They're coming to the event and now they're afraid to get on the elevator when they look up and they see me. So how does that make you feel? How does that make me feel? And I try not to see it as bias, prejudice, the stereotype, but I love the opportunity to talk about that because maybe, just maybe, the individuals who saw me didn't see me. They just mm. saw a large black man. And because they saw a large black man, it didn't even matter that he was the keynote speaker. It didn't even matter that he had on a suit. It didn't even matter. So it's something inside of us that make us fear what we don't know. And this is not new. You know, when you start thinking about, I hear you, you know, hearing somebody is one thing. That's the whole idea of you hear with your ears, but listening. And I think that the audience, if they listen and we listen to each other, we'll come with some kind of resolution or potential solution at the end of the show. So I hear you, but we want the audience to listen also. Exactly. Well, you know, one of my core values, and, and I want to circle back to this in a minute, is nobody should feel ashamed for existing. Mm -hmm. When you uh, were on the elevator, I mean, you're you're on the platform, you're one of the speakers, and yet... Uh, the doors open and you could sense that the people are like, uh, I'm not going to get on the elevator with that large imposing figure of a black man. Did you, uh, what, what feelings did you feel? Did you feel kind of ashamed for being who you are based on your perception of their rejection? Well, you know, it's interesting that since this is not new, this is a recurrence thing because believe it or not, I've been black my whole life. You know, uh -huh. and at 61 years no old, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So at 61 years old, I understand the difference because years ago when I was slim and trim and I played basketball, I remember that getting on elevators and you are a sports star 
it's totally different. Now, case in point, and I'll get to your question you asked, if Michael Jordan was on the elevator, large, tall black man in the elevator open, and those same individuals, if they recognized him, he would be a celebrity. So it's not that the fact that it's a large black man that people are afraid of, I think is deeper than that. I think it comes to, it's a large bias or prejudice or stereotype of what one doesn't know because large black men is not, society loves, accepts them. Think about the NBA, the NFL, you know, all these different things. So that's not the issue. The issue is when you are unexpectedly encounter someone in an arena mm-hmm. that you're not familiar with or in a setting that one's not comfortable with because the elevator is a very large but small space. It's a very mm-hmm. contained space. Mm-hmm. Now, interesting, if me and my wife was on the elevator and the door opens, it's not a problem. But me being on the elevator by myself, mm-hmm. so is it a taboo? For a white woman to get on the elevator with a black man is just them? Or is it a, what is it? You are my white friend. Mm -hmm. What is it that white people may have about getting on an elevator with a black man? Isn't that something like a a feeling of claustrophobia? Even though going from the 10th floor to the lobby would be a ride of only a matter of a few seconds— um, there probably is, I'm sorry to say, there probably is apprehension, uh, even though the person might not uh, vocalize it or, or think it consciously. There's like, uh-oh, small space, alone, elevator, large black man. And and I've got to believe— Large, good-looking black man. A large, good-looking, um, devastatingly handsome Hollywood actor-type black man. Uh, yeah, you're, you're a handsome guy. You are. But— let me say this. I would hope, I, I would hope that people's uh, apprehension or fear or aversion would be less about people being of ill will and maybe more about, do, do you think people are conditioned by the media? They, they think of a Trayvon Martin uh, thug in a hoodie. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? The, the, um, the assumption is not that people are bad, oh, I don't want to be around a black person. The assumption is more they've seen endless images in the media that sadly portray uh, black males as a threat or violent or something like that. Is it um, more due to media conditioning than the the darkness of the human heart? Hmm. You know, that's an interesting point. I think that the essence and the beauty of this podcast, yeah, I hear you, is that we're going to drill deeper into that kind of stuff versus the surface. Case in point, I remember reading about President Obama as a young man in Hawaii. He was going, of course, he lived and visited his grandmother in mm-hmm. Hawaii, and he had an experience that he was on the elevator and a white young lady who lived on the same floor as his grandmother, when she the door opened and saw him, she decided she didn't want to get on the elevator. So it's not new, but at the same time, it's not the media, in my opinion, because I think that's an easy scapegoat. I think that if we can drill deep into our biases, 
or maybe even our prejudice or maybe even our stereotypes, because I believe that a lot of what we learn, we learn on grandma's porch. Let Mm -hmm. me explain. Okay. People who we love, we love our grandmother, we love Uncle Jojo, we love all these people. So a lot of times these issues are passed down. And let's be real. A lot of what is passed down is not all negative Hmm. because folks may have a legitimate reason for being afraid to get on an elevator with a large black guy. So I don't want to say that if they don't believe or if they don't get on the elevator with me, they're prejudiced or racist. No, 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 no. That's not true. Hmm. I don't believe that. I believe people have their own experiences and based on their experience in life or experience of someone they know and love, then they're acting out of their experiences. I believe we all have our own prejudices. I think that we all have our own biases. I think in some cases we all have touches of racism based on what we know and what we don't know. Because until you get to know someone, a lot of times we assume and we have to assume because that assumption and we all know what assumptions do, it helps us (laughs) to survive. So I don't think it's a cut and dry media type situation. And I love the fact, my friend, that you and I could sit here and look eyeball to eyeball and talk about the tough issues so that our audience can examine themselves as we lay ourselves out here open so everybody can understand because we're trying to get to a resolution. We're not picking sides. We're trying to get to a resolution. And you, you know what? Let me say this. And uh, the the podcast is is new, and I am excited too. And I appreciate you making time. You and I both are uh, pastors and in mm-hmm. ministry. You're you're a, an adjunct professor at several universities. So mm-hmm. am I. So uh, we've got our 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 walk with God. We've got our family and our marriage. We've got uh, ministry. We've got career. And so you and I both keep a pretty full dance card, but. I think this is worthwhile to get together and talk because here's one of the things that I think is very tenuous about the moment in which our country finds itself. Mm-hmm. Um, 300 million people plus, and you know everybody's just trying to keep food on the table and keep the lights on. And there have been biases and there's been racism. And there's so much good about this country. And there's so many, there are a few things that are not good that mm-hmm. we want to address. But I say to you, my friend, and to everyone that may hear this, in the resolution and in reaching that better day that we all hope for, what what we don't want to do is just um, throw out morals or right or wrong. And and I've been to enough universities where I've talked with young people and even some professors, and they'll be like, well, America's been bad. Let's let's burn the house down and start fresh. Mm -hmm. My prayer. Uh, is that we can honestly, transparently talk about some thorny issues and reach a, a better day, but not completely trash America, not burn the house down. Uh, we we need morals. We need boundaries. We need our laws and our constitution. We need a well-ordered society. Um, and it is healthy to talk. One thing is that I... I think is is very positive about this podcast and our friendship. Okay, I am a Christian. I'm a Southerner, grew up in the South. Can't, we can't help who we are. We can't help where we're born. Uh, I'm a Caucasian. Uh, and as you and I record this, it's the, the dead of winter. And uh, 
boy, I'm 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 white anyway. But in January and February, I'm about as colorless as a ream of paper. Mm-hmm. That's just me. But here's the thing. I've traveled, I've talked with atheists, I've talked with conservatives, liberals, white, black, many ethnicities, Asian, Latino. What what's interesting and I think is a great opportunity is even my atheist friends that mm-hmm. don't believe in God or the Bible, and I wish they did, but they don't. But guess what they do believe in? They want their kids to grow up in a prosperous, safe America. Mm-hmm. So do I. You know, I've talked with Muslims. I'm not a Muslim. Uh, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. But the Muslims, they want a free, safe, prosperous America where their kids can thrive. And I think the opportunity for all of us is we can respectfully talk about volatile issues. But at the bottom of the page, we all pretty much want the same things, don't we? Yes, exactly. And, excuse me, and, you know, we do. And let me stop for a minute and put on my professor's hat. You yes. know, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to teach at the universities and all this kind of good stuff. But let me just define real briefly three things. When I talk about bias, what am I understanding what bias is? Then I talk about prejudice and then I talk about racism stereotypes. So let me just say that. And those will be the content I'm working from. Not saying that my definition is the best definition, but I just want the audience to understand kind of where I'm from. And then later on, we had dove into how did you, how did you get there, Odell? How do you get to certain things you do? So when I start thinking about bias, I'm looking at like favor or one side, you favor one side or person or issue over another more or less just having a preference. And I think, you know, my bias might be, I like fried chicken over baked chicken. So so it's not a bad thing. You know, we're not trying to beat anyone up and we're not trying to beat each other's up, but we're trying to get a common ground understanding of what words mean or what words mean as we're using them. And the second thing, after bias, if we're not careful, bias will lead to prejudice. And prejudice mm. is a preconceived opinion that is not based on reason or actual experience. Prejudice against people of different background. Someone like, well, you know, he's black. So I, it's certain things that go along with being black. Well, maybe that's the thing on the elevator, but I don't give it that. Mm-hmm. I think that we would do the audience and ourselves a disjustice just to say, their prejudice. No, no, we have to work. We have to work. This podcast is working to help people. And the last thing is racism. You know, racism is the belief that different races possess distinct characteristics, abilities, or qualities. And the thing about racism is that one person is either inferior or superior to another. Now, if I look at you and say you're white, and you said it's January, so you're whited in a ream of paper. Oh, that's good. That's good. But that's facts. But for me to say that as a black person, I'm superior to you, that's racism. Mm. And, and then superior in what way? Why am I better than you because I'm black? Why are you better than me because you're white? So those are the things we have to work through. But mm. Alex, the key is the unconscious bias, Hmm. meaning that we're not even aware. We're not even aware that when the elevated door opens, I'm afraid. Hmm. Now, this is the guy who I paid money and traveled to come here speak. But I can acknowledge him 
when he's on the center stage as a keynote speaker, but in the elevator, I don't expect to see him in the elevator. You know, I can acknowledge Michael Jordan on the basketball court. You know, hey, Michael Jordan, Carolina Tar Heels, here we go, Dean Smith. But wait a minute, when I look up and I see a large black man on the elevator, until I recognize, until my senses do the program and realize, oh, that's Michael Jordan, then I go from a frown to a smile. And, and that's just the way it is. And yeah. the beautiful thing about it is that we get to tackle it. We grab the proverbial bulls by the horn because the fact that as we wrestle with this, we wrestle with our own biases, our own racism, our own stereotypes, our own prejudices. Because yeah. I think that we, I could talk for me, I can't talk for you. I have them inside of me. Yeah. So I'm working out my own issues in the middle of it. And I'll give you one or two points and I'll be quiet because, you know, Baptist preachers like to talk. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's good, I'm, man. I'm a deer hunter. I love hunting deer. Really? Well, after this election and not getting into politics, I have some good white friends who I always go, you know, everybody's got either good white friends or good black friends. You know, yeah, you know yeah. how we have to do that. And so I have some good white friends who I go deer hunting in the mountains with every year. And right after the election, they say, oh, now let's go deer hunting. I'm like, ah. This time. And they're like, what's wrong? What's wrong? I said, you know, when we go to these small little towns, uh, the percentage of black people is probably zero percent in there. And I remember going years ago, we went into the um, honky tonk to get something to eat there. And I walked in and I'm the only black person in there. And the, in, in my mind, in my mind, the place got quiet when I walked in. Mm. You know, it was about a hundred something people in there. They had the guitar picking and all this kind of stuff. Right. And we walked in and we ordered. And in my mind, and this is not fair, but this is true. And right. we, we need to be truthful with each sure. other. In my mind, I'm like, what would happen, Odell, if you sit down and they refuse to serve you? Now, none of that happened. The waitress is just, she was as nice as she could be, all that. But in my mind, that's why I'm talking right. about, I have my own biases. Like, okay, and a lot of times, why do our bias go to the worst in people? Yeah. It's almost like we have to go to the corner of being the worst and work our way back out because she was just as nice. I ordered. Everything was fine. Now, after the election, I'm like, hmm, black guy going up in the mountains with a lot of white guys. We're staying a couple nights in the cabin. Uh, we're we're hunting. Uh, big, good looking black guy being mistaken for a deer or a bear. Don't need that right now. Don't need that right now. And when I shared it with my white friends that he couldn't understand. He's like, Odell, it's no, 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 you don't understand. I get it from his perspective, but back to the fact that we had to have the hard conversation is like, Bill, my friend, we traveled to Paris together. We traveled to Israel together. Bill, I'm not going hunting the day after the election. I'm not going up there. I'm not going in the little small town. And that's not fair to the small town, but back to our point of survival. Yeah. Odell made a conscious decision not to go and play with guns in the middle of so much tension and frustration and stress in society. So a lot of times what's going on in society impacts us. You, you mentioned the things we learn on grandma's back porch uh, much of which is front good. porch, grandma's front porch, oh, grandma, grandma's front porch. Front porch. Okay. Um, do do you think many or maybe even most black children in America are sort of groomed to think you know always watch your back because um, in, in white America you're always going to need to sort of 
you know, keep your eyes open for danger points? I would say yes and no. Let me explain. Okay. When I grew up, I was born in 1960. Okay. I went through integration, school busing. I went through all that in South Carolina. It was a different time. I think that I would say tolerance, but tolerance is not the best thing. But I think now that people are understanding that their children are better because the parents are better. I don't think that we're teaching our kids that all white people are bad, all black people are good, any of that kind of stuff. I think because people get to know each other and they get to interact with each other, that now they realize that people are just people. But at the same time, it is some segments there, but that's not all bad. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, for those who listen like, well, he's lost his mind. How can he say being biased, prejudiced, stereotype is not bad? I don't think it's all bad. Mm-hmm. I think that Odell having the senses to say, I'm not going hunting in the mm-hmm. woods with my buddies after this election was not a bad thing. But mm-hmm. on the second time, I'll get a phone call because my my thought is this. I prefer people to respect me than like me. Mm-hmm. I would love for people to like me. But as a community leader, sometimes you have to make a choice. And yeah. if it's two things on the table, respect or like, then respect I- Respect wins every exactly. time. Exactly. So Odell Cleveland- who many like, many don't like, got a call the other day. And it's like, as you know, we're trying to do the COVID vaccine now, Mm -hmm. right? Right. So Guilford County, which we live in, says, here we are. We have some sites, but we don't have anything or any site on the east side of town or what I call for the audience, the black part of town, where we're going to give COVID you know, vaccines out. So they called and said, hey, we can't find a site. So would the church be willing to do it? And I'm like, of course we can, but mm-hmm. understand though, it turned into a, if we're not careful, it could turn into a race thing. It could turn into a political thing. So again, back to biases, prejudice stereotypes, you have to be careful because in our church, on one end, starting Monday, we'll be doing vaccines but on the other end of the church, always we're doing funerals. Now mm. think about that. And you do them both simultaneously. Life and death. Life and death, because that's who you are as a leader. That's who you are as an audience member. If you're a leader of your household, if you're a grandma, grandma's porch, grandma, what are you teaching the next generation and the generation after that? And what you're teaching them, is that going to be beneficial to them or beneficial to society? What's going on? Because in, in Guilford County, it's three locations that we're going to do vaccines from the health department, mm-hmm. okay? It's a Greensboro Coliseum, of course. Mm-hmm. We all can accept that. It's High Point University, which is a very prestigious organization. It's the community part in the mall. Mm-hmm. That's going to be happening. And then it's Mount Zion Baptist Church. Why Mount Zion Baptist Church? Because Mount Zion Baptist Church is a 7,000-member, 99.9999999% African-American church. Mm-hmm. It's been there for 120 years. So what they were looking for is a trusted place in the community where people of color and others would come and trust the vaccine because they came to a trusted, well-known, familiar place. Now, that's biased. Understand now, that's biased. That's prejudice and that stereotype, but that's work toward the good of humanity. 
So that's why I'm saying I'm not going to sit here and be hypocritical and say that bias, prejudice, and stereotypes are all bad. It's not all bad. It's how it's used. Well, and of course, Mount Zion has positive equity in the minds of everybody in this region. Of course, it took a century plus to build that equity. Hold that thought. I want to thank everybody uh, for listening. You're listening to the I Hear Ya podcast with Reverend Odell Cleveland and Alex McFarland. You know, we talk about a lot of things, and I think, uh, you know, if I do say so, courageously unpack a lot of subjects that need to be talked about. And, you know, your sponsorship can help us do this. We uh, really, the only agenda we have is to improve the lives of people through open dialogue and truth. And your sponsorship would help us. We have a very wonderful coffee mug at least we think it's pretty cool. And it's got the I Hear You logo on it. And for your sponsorship of at least $20, we will send you this along with our thanks. And together, we've got to be in this for the long haul to talk about ideas, pursue truth, shape lives together in love. And uh, so we would be appreciative that you can go to the website, which is IHearYou.show, S-H-O-W, IHearYou.show, and you can give securely online, and uh, we will acknowledge your support of the podcast and very appreciatively send you the I Hear You coffee mug. And, uh, you know, one of my core values is uh, you can't beat a good conversation, and uh, a good conversation with coffee, that's just all the better. But, hey, Odell, let me, let me throw a scenario out here. And, and again, in the context, nobody should feel ashamed for existing. Mm-hmm. And respect, we all want respect. Okay, the elevator door opening, mm-hmm. and there's somebody on the elevator that you may or may not want to ride with. Let me give a few more elevator openings in yes. life. Let's say that you're in a new town, and you're uh, going to go to the dentist. Everybody needs to go to the dentist or the doctor mm-hmm. sometimes, and you show up. And the dentist who's going to be up in your mouth is black. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if you're a white person, are you okay? Are you going to believe he's competent? You're going to let him put his hands in your mouth? Let's say that you go to the PTA meeting and your child's new teacher for the year is a different ethnicity. Let's say that you go for the job interview and you're ready and you you feel it. This is it. You're going to get this new position. And the HR guy is black or a different ethnicity. Are you immediately going to assume good things or bad things? Uh, am I right to say, Odell, we have a lot of, quote, elevator door openings in life, don't we? All day long. And you're just spot on. And thank you for continuing to challenge us as we challenge the audience, because I've never been white before in my life. It's interesting, though. <laughs> It's interesting, though. And, that, and I, I've never been black. Exactly. It's interesting. Years ago, I endorsed, and again, a white gentleman who happened to be a Republican for Congress. And being a Democrat and Baptist, I mean, people went crazy. And folks called me everything but a child of God. Now, traitor. Well, I endorse the person who I thought was the best person for the job. Now, with that being said, I would think that people will look at the dentist for qualifications and availability. I think that people would look at the teacher based on how it comes to 
educating their child. I think that we would look at any other issues, elevated doors, that benefits us, but it doesn't always work that way. Now, instead of being negative about it and say, why didn't I get this job? I didn't get this job because I'm black. I didn't get this job because I'm white. I didn't get this job because I'm a female. I didn't get this job because I'm gay. I didn't get this job because I'm short, because I'm tall. I don't, we, that may be true, but I would think that that's not the only factor. Mm -hmm. Because in today's society, I would think that if you are HR manager, you're trying to hire the best person. Might, might not. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But the beautiful thing about it is this challenges the audience to look introspectively inside of themselves and ask themselves the question, because at the end of the day, all we're trying to do is stir up something inside of us as a Christian, or if I was a non-believer, or if I was another um, religious preference, I've learned, but I made myself learn. Mm -hmm. I threw myself into interface trips going to Israel with some of my Jewish rabbi friends. I wanted to learn. I sent my kids to this program in Greensboro called uh, Anytown, where because mm -hmm. I wanted them to learn. So instead of the whole idea of grandma's porch, where I heard certain things, because believe me, black people are just as prejudiced as white people are. It's individuals, not all, not all, mm -hmm. not all. Let's, let's be honest, not all, but some black people hate you because you're white. And I got some white people who hate me because I'm black. They don't know Alex, my friend. They don't know Odell, your friend. And it doesn't matter to them. Uh -huh. <laughs> it doesn't matter. So I ain't mad at them. So when I deal with them, it's strictly a transactional relationship. Let me buy this, do this, and I move on. Because you don't try to force relationships, not at all. So we take people where they are. And I think as we continue to challenge each of us to look inside of ourselves, that makes a difference. And we got to be able to laugh at ourselves, too. Uh, I saw a comedian. This was years ago. He was on Jay Leno. And uh, it, was, it was a black comedian. And he was talking about white people and yard sales. Mm -hmm. And he said, what in the world is it that when warm weather gets here, White people drag all their stuff out on the front lawn. And and anyway, it was hilarious. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, w people are people, you know. And sometimes I think we get wound up really tightly. We've got to treat people with respect. I, I think even more than that, with love. And maybe you and I will another conversation for another day. Love, biblically, love is to seek the highest good of another, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and I, and I don't use the word love in a mushy, emotional, you know, kind of like sappy way. I'm talking about, no, when Jesus said, love your neighbor, biblically, most scholars would say that means to seek the highest good. And I'm going to say two things, folks. And look, I get it. There's life. Life is a complicated mosaic of a million things. But here's the here's the deal. I am so confident in the power of truth, that truth always rises to the top eventually. And I'm also convinced that when the good Lord said, love your neighbor, it is the right thing to do, and it always pays dividends in the end. And, and I want to share a story about that maybe in a minute. But um, do you know what? As a, as a white male with a very pronounced Southern accent, I've probably been prejudiced against at times. In fact, I know it. I was out west 
uh, being interviewed for uh, to do some radio things. And, you know, right in front of me, the the guy was just talking big smack on Southerners and big smack. Yeah, okay, I mean, big was, smack. Look, Interesting. This presupposition that you know Southerners are ignorant, Southerners are inbred, Southerners are biased. You know, here's this white guy with a bad Southern accent. Uh, there's no way I would ever put this guy on the radio. And uh, you know, you know, I just listened to this guy kind of tear me down right in my own presence. And I was hey, that's okay. He was from the West Coast. He he didn't know me. I could cut him a break because he doesn't know me. And I think one of the ways that we deal with um, prejudice or feel, feeling like we got the short end of the stick and, and we don't melt down and hate people is because, look, they don't know us. You know, they, the guy didn't know me. Um, a few months later, I got a different radio job and it, it, it all worked out. But the word prejudice, prejudicial, mm-hmm. it means deciding before I've gotten to the courtroom. And and one of the things that I would say to people is just don't make up your mind till you've heard the facts. The the way to avoid being prejudicial or prejudicial, get to know people, have a conversation. I I, I quote this a lot. I'm I guess I'm guilty of being very repetitive. Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers up in Pennsylvania. By the way, folks, get read. Read the books about Mr. Rogers. The guy was brilliant. But he said, there's nobody you couldn't love if you only heard their story. Mm -hmm. I really believe that. And I think one of the ways that we're going to move, um, maybe, maybe as humans, it's inevitable that people are sometimes racist. Maybe it's inevitable that people are sometimes biased and maybe not very nice to people sometimes. Maybe that's just part of our human nature that sometimes we're going to miss the mark. But I honestly believe if you get to know people, especially people that are outside of your circle, you're going to find that human beings are worth loving. Human beings are endlessly fascinating. And there might be some very rich friendships there that you didn't even know you could experience when you begin to get out in out of the comfort zone into the 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 uncharted waters of meeting people that are different than you. I, I agree. You know, it's interesting that what do we do? And this question is to me, the audience, and to you. What do we do when the elevated doors in our lives open and we go through our normal biases, prejudice, stereotypes? And then later on, we find out that what we perceive was wrong. You know, what we perceive is wrong. So now, do we ever go back and correct that? Or do we say, well, maybe it's wrong this time. Okay, that's fine. And then we have different experiences and everybody's not bad. Everybody's not good. So we go back. Do we ever go to our family, to our circles of influence, to our groups, and when they're repeating what we, me, let me talk about me, what I repeated for years growing up, do we challenge that or do we leave it alone? Because I think that's the essence of trying to get to some kind of resolution, because in some cases, if you challenge that, even in the very remote way, you're thrown out of the group, you know? And everybody, to your opening statement, everybody want to be accepted. Now, are we willing for the trade-offs? So on the job, 
You can get along in the workplace great with someone who may be different color or different religious belief or different sexual orientation. But the truth of the matter is, if you see that person when you're out with your quote unquote friends, will you acknowledge that person? Secondly, you heard so many stories about Vietnam and other things where when folks went to war, and I know it's a lot of war since then, they were best friends, white, black, best friends in Vietnam, best friends in Iraq, best right. friends, because what was at stake is staying alive, survival. Exactly. But now when you get back, it's like we're not friends anymore. And that really psychologically is messed with a lot of black and white veterans mm -hmm. that what happened is not just post-traumatic stress syndrome, it's a lot of that. Then when you start thinking about teams, I played on a lot of championship teams. And we won a lot of championships, not that we had the best players, but we had the best team. I had yeah. a coach. I had a coach um, from deep Georgia, deep Georgia. He, you could tell, he didn't like black people growing up. We talked about it, but he loved black players. And mm. I didn't like white people growing because up. Because they were useful to him. Well, well, no, 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 no. That's an easy one. And I'm not, it's back to challenging. Let me explain my friend. Let okay. me explain my coach before I say, he used black players because that's not 100% accurate. Okay. Let me explain. And this is the essence of pushing back in a nice, respectful way because we could agree to disagree. The way he grew up, he grew up on grandma's porch and he was told about black people and how he grew up. So how do you take a blank canvas or a blank slate and now you paint it with certain things and later on, how do we repaint? Because once it's there, we can only be a blank canvas once. Now, I know the Christians say, mm. you know, born again. I get all that. But let's not go there. Let's stick with this side of heaven. So now, all of a sudden, my coach didn't like Black people growing up for all different reasons. But when he started coaching, he loved Black players because Black players had certain athletic abilities that will help him achieve his goals. Now, his biggest challenge was, how do I put aside my biases, my prejudices and stereotypes, and replace them or enhance them with my bias, prejudices, and stereotypes on, this is a black player, he could run, jump, higher than a white player. Remember, white guys can't jump. So now, <laughs> still bias, prejudice, and stereotypes, but it made it work for him. And he was one of the most successful high school coaches in South Carolina, and he changed my life. Now, let me explain. I hated white people at one time because of some of the experiences I had yeah. dealing with white people going through uh, school integration. You know, it was systemic. That racism dealing in South Carolina at that time was very systemic. So yeah. I came out of that with a very biased perception of white folks, especially white people in authoritarian positions, mm -hmm. because I saw that authority used against me and others. That's for the next episode. We'll talk about that later. However, over the years, me and my coach became very good friends even to the point that when he died about three weeks ago, mm. the family asked me to do the eulogy. So wow. Odell goes down to deep Georgia, going to deep Georgia, did the eulogy, and 99.9% .9 of the people there were white. I remember passing the cotton fields. I remember seeing people in the cotton fields picking 
and everything else. That's just how deep, deep, deep George is. And this is three weeks ago. But at the same time, back to the point, they treated me so well and so respectful. It's like, oh, thank you so much for doing the eulogy. You did a great job and all this kind of stuff. So I have to deal with that because if I don't deal with that, that doesn't fit what a lot of people see. So we have to make room for truth. So when the elevated, elevated door opened in deep Georgia and I'm dri driving by the cotton fields, seeing people out there, I have to stay with open mind enough to say, this is the truth that this family, this white family, ask me, a black person, to come in and do the eulogy out of respect and love and experience that I had for this coach. Mm. So it's not all. So we can't say it's all. And that's when I say we have to look at each other in the elevator doors and our lives open. We have to deal with the truth. And sometimes when it's different, how do we go back and change it? Wow. You know, uh, in 2001, it was my privilege to go to Africa, the first of a number of trips we've had. And I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation of this, but we were in a, in a place in Zambia. And I heard a phrase, and here's my best attempt to pronounce it. It was in the, the Bimba language, Jabba Tamanenji. Uh, and again, for, if I'm saying it incorrectly, I apologize. Jabba Tamanenji. So I asked one of the Zambian men, we were there for 21 days. I said, what does that mean? And he, he thought, and he was, I could tell he was trying to figure out how to explain it to me. He said, it means you have separated out the good. I said, uh, what does that mean? So like we we were having, we were cooking and we were having these uh, outdoor Bible conferences and music and worship. And anyway, I would hear the, them say Jabba Tamaninji. And I said, okay, you have separated out the good. What does that mean? And he thought these pastors, they said, well, anybody can point out what is bad, but you have to think and choose to point out what's good. Mm. And that, I said, wow, that is really profound. Look, um, in life, I, I think about that coach. You're part of his legacy. And I, I've heard it said that the legacy we leave are, you know, the friends we have and the people we influence. And, and I think about the legacy, each one of us, no matter who you are. Uh, sociologists say that even the most introverted person over the course of a life will interact with a minimum of 15,000 people. Now, somebody that's outgoing, maybe 75,000 people. But I think about leaving the legacy of good even today because it really, really matters. Uh, letting the elevator door of life open and not judging people based on any one of a myriad of things, but getting to know people and realizing that human beings, and I'm not, I'm not talking about religion or salvation, we've, we've got opinions on that, but people are good. People are worth knowing. People are worth investing in. And I've found, sure, there's going to be one or two times you get burned, but 99.9% .9 of the time, you'll, you're going to find out that people made in the image of God are wonderful. They're worth knowing. They're worth investing in. They're worth loving. Well, you know, it's interesting that I, I agree with you 100%. And I will say something very briefly. I remember the tears that rolled down my face when I had the experience to travel into Israel and walking through the Holocaust Museum 
and letting my rabbi friends, along with other individuals of the Jewish faith, share with me what that meant to them. Just share with me. So sometime when we are quiet enough to listen to someone else's story, not our interpretation of what happened, someone else's story, it just brought tears to my eyes. And I think that, that those tears made me a better person. And I just think that's it, because we will go to Israel to get baptized as Christians in the River Jordan. But will we listen? I hear you. I hear you, Israel. I hear you, this person. I hear you, that. But are we listening? Mm. Back to we hear with our eyes. I mean, we hear with our ears, but we listen with our heart. And when that elevator door opens, no matter who's on the other side, we give them a chance. Amen, brother. Amen. I and love you. Great to be with you. I love you, Odell. You're listening to I Hear You, and we look forward to the next time we can uh, sharpen each other's hearts and minds with a good conversation. <laughs>